Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in anytime to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to Keep the Ball Rolling, presented by Tommy Media. On today's show, we talk the new Michael Jordan docuseries, the St. Thomas D1 decision as we bring on St. Thomas golf coach Scott Proshek and Weird Sports. and welcome to the third episode of season five of Keep the Ball Rolling. I'm Mia Lauby. And I'm Joey Swanson. How are you today, Joey? I'm doing good today. How are you, Mia? I'm good. The sun's shining. It's uh, not snowing today, so that's a bonus. Yeah, we've had a bit of a bipolar start to this spring here with snow coming down, but what's it to us? I mean, we're stuck inside anyway. Yeah, I guess. So today we're going to talk about Michael Jordan and Mm -hmm. his legacy, but more importantly, his documentary that's coming out um, this Sunday, April 19th. It was supposed to come out in June, but due to the coronavirus and the lack of sports or anything to watch or listen to, they've moved it up, so... That's pretty exciting. It's it's called The Last Dance, so it's a 10-part series on the 1990s Chicago Bulls. Yep. Um, ESPN's going to be airing the explicit version, so I'm not exactly sure what's going to make it uh, explicit, but... Um, swearing. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, but I mean, like, anything else. <laughs> but ESPN2 will be offering the clean version, and... Uh, the two of us are going to be watching the first two episodes so we can talk about it in episode four in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. I'm wondering what type of explicit content they're going to show. Cause I was reading up on it and they were saying how the explicit version would have swear words, but also there's some stuff with drugs in there. So I don't know if they're going to keep that for the ESPN two clean version. Well, I was reading an article this morning on um, Complex Sports, it was on Twitter, that said Michael said people are going to think he's a, quote, horrible guy after watching the documentary. Wow. Just because of some of the things he says to his teammates to, like, motivate them, especially in the heavier parts of the season. And, I mean, basketball's definitely changed. The things you can say to teammates as a coach, the things you can say to your players – have totally changed like I was talking to my dad and he he said like some of the things like Bob Knight would say would get him fired immediately these days like 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm thinking back to like at least when like teachers would school their students back in that day. Like there was no rules or regulations really. They just they would just have at them, and I feel like coaches were the same way with their players and players with their teammates. And I don't know now like they have a whole camera crew documenting that season. So we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of of what they aren't very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, there's already been a lot of insight into at least the playing side of the team. Like, I know in some of ESPN's 30 for 30s, they've showed a lot of the playoff games and stuff. Like, for example, um, against the Detroit Pistons, like the Jordan rules. I always thought that was kind of an interesting thing, how you could the things you could get away with on the court back then. Yeah, no, one one uh, specific time that comes to mind, at least in Jordan's legacy, is his second year, and he just took over the game. Like, he he um, he wasn't, like, one of the – no, no, I'm thinking of the national championship. I'm thinking back to college now. <laughs> his uh, – so his freshman year, he wasn't, like, one of the top players – but he was obviously super good, and he hit the game-winning shot in the national championship game, mm-hmm. and that just kind of spiraled him into becoming the player that he is today. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's so many debates about, like, Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time, especially with your boy LeBron. And my guy, rest in peace, uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, I mean, sometimes I think that debate's kind of tired, but some aspects of Jordan I really liked. Like, first of all, I liked his intensity, which I think we'll see more of in this documentary. And um, I really looked up to him as just kind of a defensive player because him and Scottie Pippen were just dogs on the court. Like. If you had those guys alternating guarding you, you were in for an absolutely miserable game. <laughs> yeah, no, he he was definitely a hound on defense, and I think he won nine defensive uh, all first all team defensive player of the year, uh, one defensive player of the year. But he he showed throughout his career that he didn't get fatigued on D and he kept up that intensity and you know, you don't see that all the time with star players. So that's, that's definitely a good trade. Well, I mean, back in the day, I think some of those guys just with a killer mentality shine more. I know a lot of times like there's just freaks in nature like LeBron and obviously he can just do absolutely anything he wants on the court. But like, I mean, back then, everyone would always talk about how LeBron would choke and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think that uh, – I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap because I'm a big LeBron supporter as well. But I don't know. I think guys back then just had a total killer instinct. And um, it's crazy to me because I always have heard stories about how Jordan would just, like, stay up super late at night playing cards like – when everybody else, like, couldn't even stay up with him. And, like, the guy would play, like, rounds of golf during the day before, like, Olympic games and stuff. So 
He's definitely a warrior. <laughs> different guy. I mean, he like, playing baseball, Major League Baseball, you know, just to prove he could do it for his dad. And, yeah. Yeah, he was always trying to prove to his dad that he was worth something as a kid, at least. Uh, he had an older brother that was, in his father's eyes, the better player. But that that always fueled Michael, mm -hmm. um, and that that kind of built his uh, demeanor on the court, and really not caring about anyone else, just caring about winning. Honestly, mm -hmm. he's just the I, I want to say Mamba, killer Mamba, but that's that's your boy Kobe. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, I think Jordan could have been like even a, like maybe a sliver of the motivation for the Mamba mentality. Cause I know like Kobe and him just had some sort of like dynamic and relationship just as like Jordan being an older player in the league and Kobe, you know, being a young gun at the time, kind of like MJ was for magic and bird. So. Yeah. Looking up to MJ was definitely big for a lot of uh, players today. And, Looking at some of the introductions for this documentary, it talks about how Jordan, what he experienced his uh, first year in the league with how how the players would party. And yeah. talk specifically about a time when he walked into a teammate's, teammate's uh, lock or uh, hotel room and there were girls everywhere and uh, drugs on the table. And he goes... Well, I got to get out of here or else I'm going to be just as guilty as everyone else in here. So that kind of shows how dedicated he was and he didn't get caught up in the, in the party lifestyle. Yeah. And I mean, I know there's always stories about how players aren't perfect and the um, bad decisions they make, but obviously there are so many upsides and really I'm just excited to watch this because um, the stories my parents have told me, they were always big. Jordan fans and they went to watch him play and um I think they're really excited for this too this will bring their generation kind of a opportunity to reminisce on watching the best player yeah and the best team because yeah I mean, Gosh. it's up for debate but I saw a tweet yesterday with the roster of the 1990 Chicago Bulls and they're facing the 2016 Golden State Warriors, yeah, Clay Thompson, yeah. So it's it's funny because Steve Kerr is on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I don't know. I think, I mean, everyone obviously loves Jordan. Everyone loved Pippen, but I sometimes the guy I love the most is Dennis Rodman. So I hope he makes lots of appearances. Yeah, he's he's uh they had they had like four greats, maybe even five. I I like Steve Kerr was just an automatic shooter. They had Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, Rodman, and Jordan. Like that team is just stacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Well, I can't wait to watch the documentary, get an inside look, but um until then, we have another big topic, which is the long-awaited Division One decision for St. Thomas. We've been talking about it all year, and now it's been pushed back. So, 
In our next segment, we'll bring on the Tommy men's golf coach to discuss some NCAA issues and talk about how they relate to the golf team, talk a little bit about the golf team. Today we have St. Thomas men's golf coach, Scott Proshak with us. He's approaching his 11th season at the helm and he's guided the Tommies to six NCAA top 20 team finishes in the last eight seasons, including a fifth place finish, this fifth place nationals finish in May of 2016, the best program in history. Coach, how are you today? Uh, I'm fine, given the circumstances. Uh, I'm not going to complain, I guess. It doesn't do any good to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been doing lately to stay busy during this COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, a lot of cards at home, a lot of games, projects, things like that. But uh, with regards to the guys on the team, uh, Obviously, doing a lot of Zoom calls with them or FaceTime one-on-one, -on -one, uh, following up with their their situations of online classes and uh, um, what they're doing to stay in shape and getting ready for um, what would hopefully be uh, some summer play uh, uh, on the golf courses. A few of them are uh, got out to play just like a day before the state was shut down. So, you know, they, they got out a little bit. So it's interesting to hear some of that and some of their stories. Yeah, what are all the athletes doing for the time being? Well, just what you probably are doing. Uh, nothing real different. Um, everybody's, you know, taking their classes online. Some of them adjusted how many classes they're taking. Uh, things like that. A um, couple of our seniors, we only have two seniors, so a couple of them have been going through the eligibility issues and trying to figure some things out. So, you know, uh, meetings with them and their parents a little bit. Uh, um, so that's what they're doing. Recruiting, um, still recruiting. Uh, different to do it on FaceTime, but it still works and it's been that that's been interesting and, and actually fun. Yeah. So one, one thing that came to my mind is that, that golf is, is an individual sport, but it's also a team sport and it, it can be done while social distancing, but the idea of allowing golf this summer has been debated in Minnesota. There's a petition out and over 45,000 people have signed it. Uh, what, what's your opinion on that? And have you heard of uh, the debate going on right now? Well, I have uh, um, some family members that are in the business in a different, in a different way as a maintenance uh, superintendent at go uh, golf courses. So, I think it was more important for those guys, uh, people to be able to get out on the golf course to maintain their courses. So when the courses would open up, that they would be somewhat ready. So I, I, I agree with, you know, a first step in that process as regarding uh, opening up of golf courses and how that could still work with, uh, physical, uh, you know, um, distancing and things like that. 
I, you know, yeah, it, it certainly makes sense to open up some golf courses and get, get people out there. But at the same time, I know as with anything, there can be a few people that you ruin it for all, so to speak. And uh, I know early on and some states already do allow golfing to, to be and some of the pictures going on, there's no social distancing going on. So it's, it's a difficult thing. And I know uh, Governor Waltz will make a good decision and uh, may have to wait a little while, but uh, I think uh, patience, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, something that we're all going to have to experience right now. Yeah, so a few of the things on the petition I just wanted to mention were that they had an idea of uh, raising the bottom of the cup up a little bit so that people weren't spreading germs by touching the bottom when they pick up their ball. Also, uh, bunker rakes would be removed, you know, just fix your divot or your, your sand with your foot. Um, the carts, the cart situation, they were saying one rider um to practice social distancing and then clean clean that a deep clean after every user um but then yeah ball washers too would probably have to be removed anything so right there's been uh you know a, a number of things to address all of those uh issues that would come about opening or closing keeping the clubhouses closed and how to do the transactions of the fees you know and it's different for public uh, versus private versus semi-private courses things like that so I know there's I noticed the Minnesota Golf Association has been uh, working with the governor to try to come up with a list of things that could be possibly put in place to allow that safety and I've seen so many different gadgets and I've seen different golf courses throughout the United States with their rules and regulations and you're right uh, very unique ways of not reaching into the hole to grab your ball out of it uh, without using your hands or touching the flag stick or you're right the ball washers are gone the rakes are gone the golf carts I guess, if anything, uh, probably would promote a lot more walking while playing golf, which is ultimately kind of what we do need. So uh, something would be coming on. Lots of changes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you talked a little bit about uh, recruiting over FaceTime, was it? Right. Uh, what would you normally be doing right now for recruiting? What has all changed? Um, well, recruiting would be going on with text and, and phone calls and sending mailings out and things like that. Uh, um, with the high schoolers, they would have, what's the date today, the 16th of April. Well, they, they could have started their season. And if time would allow, I might be able to go watch some, but we'd be in the middle of our season too. Um, our first match would have been tomorrow. Our second and third would have been Sunday, Monday. And then we would have had all of our matches till the end of April and then attending the NCAA in the middle of May. So with recruiting, I think it's just uh, FaceTime. 
because then I can I can actually see their faces, obviously, talk to them, you know, see their eyes. I, you know, I like to be able to see them and how they respond and uh, things like that. So um, a number of those types of calls. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the NCA has granted an extra year of eligibility to all spring athletes. Um, will your, since golf is a spring and fall sport, will you, will your golfers receive an extra year? Well, it's not all golfers. It's just the, really the seniors that would have that as an option. And I only have two seniors. Um, one of them is Ben Kisla, and he has uh, decided to move on and graduate, and uh, he's got a plan. Uh, as a program, we always talk about a plan. Uh, even when they start in as freshmen, we talk about having a plan. What, what, what are you going to do after graduation? So he's following through with a great plan. Uh, I think he wants to be a pilot. And <laughs> so that's going to be awesome for him. Emmett? has decided well before the uh the COVID-19 issue came up that he was coming back in fall regardless to take some extra classes oh. so Emmett Herb is coming back for next fall regardless and uh so as it's turning out he's probably going to end up playing uh the fall season I suspect that might be the only time that he would be playing. I don't suspect he will be playing in spring, but uh, fall, given our conference championship, that'll be huge for our program to get uh, Emmett, Emmett back. If, uh, you know, and there's a lot of different things that are changing with COVID-19, so, and the rules and regulations by NCAA and the MIAC conference and things like that. But right now his plans are to come back and, uh, He's the third-rated uh, player in the entire NCAA Division Three, so he didn't get his chance to fulfill his dream, and he's going to at least be able to fill uh, a big part of it. So what I, I came into your office earlier this year, and we talked a little bit about Emmett and his future. Uh, have you talked any more with him about um, possibly going professionally and what that looks like for him? Uh, the conversations were brief. Uh, he has been uh, under the weather since he returned home. Um, so it's been more dealing with him getting better that way. Um, the dreams of a PGA uh, uh, attempt, uh, I'm sure, are still there. But uh, at this point in time, I think we're just dealing with reality and the present. All right. Um, <clears throat> with what's going on right now um, in the present, recently the NCA postponed for St. Thomas our Division One decision until June at the earliest. And I mean, it's it's been long awaited. We've been expecting this decision for a long time. So, um, what are your thoughts regarding that situation? Well, I think that's better left off for Phil Eston, our athletic director, to uh, respond to. I'm, you know, we're we're trying to deal with facts uh, more than anything, and just what's what's in front of us. So, I think that's best that the the program uh, leader uh, address issues like that. Sounds good. Um, 
So just on, I guess, not specifically for the NCA, but if like St. Thomas is cleared to go division one, um, will anything change as far as expectations for like training for golf athletes? Um, I think all of that is being, uh, briefly discussed and trying to figure out what each sport would be dealing with. Ours is no different, but until that happens, uh, it's very difficult to put, you know, down very specific, uh, things, uh, those conversations are interesting ones with the recruits and, uh, with the existing guys in the team. But, uh, again, that, those, it's very difficult to react to something that isn't, you know, in front of you uh, on a piece of paper and, and explaining exactly what's going on. So, you know, again, we're going to have to deal with the facts and those will come out later. Sounds good. Sweet. Well, thanks for uh, making, making some time today to talk to us. I know it's a confusing time for us all and with, I hope everything goes smoothly with uh, the transition to D1 and then hopefully get out there in the fall or as soon as possible with your athletes. But appreciate you coming in today. Well, thank you very much. I, if I can add uh, a couple things, I think just recently, yesterday, the NCAA uh, released their all-American um, uh, statuses for players uh, in the entire uh, nation in the six different regions. And Emmett Herb and Ben Frazzini were both named to All-American status in our region, which I think is great. Um, so th that's just great. And I know golf stats, final rankings of all of the teams in the entire nation, we finished fifth. So technically, I suppose we finished the same as the best in history, but eh, we, had, we had some definite goals to finish uh, higher than that. So uh, um, it, it's something on record uh, that, that somebody some year, years down the road will look back and say, well, they finished fifth again. So, and I'm going, yeah, well, there was something going on at that time. Let's not forget COVID-19. I don't think anyone will be forgetting that for. <laughs> so I don't think, uh, I don't think we're going back to anything normal. There's going to be obviously a new normal and it's uh, going to be interesting trying to figure out what that is. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully that'll include um, at least I don't know, getting back to playing sports and stuff, but we'll see. We'll see where we'll it goes. We can only hope. Let's let's pray. Indeed. Let's pray. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. And next segment, we'll talk weird sports. If you uh, this one. <laughs> if you're really bored and want to explore the nooks and crannies of the sports world, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh -huh. All right. I'm glad Coach Prochek could come on. Um, it's really too bad that golf isn't still going. Are you a big golf guy? I love golf. Ever since I was little, I've played golf. I 
didn't I wasn't able to play like in the high school team and carry it on but I because of baseball but um they're in the same season so I had to pick one but golf has always been one of my favorite sports and now that I don't play anything uh for real I just love to golf every summer so it kind of sucks that golf courses are closed down I like to consider myself like a fairly athletic person but uh golf is one of those things that I have never been able to successfully do not that I've really put in any sort of time but like there's like a 50-50 chance I won't hit the golf ball so props to golfers because it's actually really really hard so I would agree it's like one of the hardest sports and I just think it's hilarious watching players like yourself play because I mean they try so hard and they and there's like there's this instruction from the people around them and they're like all right I can do it and then they get up to the tee and it's just uh it's so hard it's every little inch centimeter yeah and I grew up in just an extremely competitive family and so um when I went to like a nearby golf course with my family and I was just looking absolutely terrible my dad kept like getting frustrated and saying come on be more athletic like let's go and I was out here just trying to swing it like a baseball bat so that's great but anyways (laughs) normal sports because it's time to talk about weird sports weird sports Woo! because there are no sports going on right now so we decided to dig up some of the weirdest ones out there What's your favorite weird sport? I know there's a lot, and we could get into the debate on what is even a sport, what's even, Hmm. I don't know, but what do you think? I mean, you can turn a lot of things into a weird sport, but I found an article, Huffington Post, that said, uh, or it was titled, 10 Weirdest Sports You've Probably Never Heard Of. They were correct, I'd never heard of them. And I picked out some of my favorites that I kind of want to talk a little bit about. So I don't think anyone else has probably heard of them either. So um, we're going to start with the first one, uh, wife carrying. Started in Finland. Wife carrying. Yep, wife carrying. So can you imagine yourself carrying mm, your future wife, I guess? That sounds medieval. Yeah, it sounds like take your queen to your castle. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like that's like way beyond our era. Like that's crazy. That so no, I kind of agree. Like be, like there must be like different weight classes because let's say your wife's two hundred pounds and your or or your wife's a hundred pounds, you obviously have an advantage. Right, there's heavyweight versus featherweight in this situation. Not sure, but <laughs> welterweight, we got we got every class. Um, I don't know what I'm picturing in my head is those you know really muscly Scottish guys in kilts throwing poles. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm picturing, but turns out this is actually in North America. There is an annual North American wife carrying championship. So wow. the more you know. 
Yep. I, winner. I might have to, uh, I mean, geez, if I ever get lucky and get a wife, I might have to enter that. That seems pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hmm, The odds are looking slim for you, but if you would happen to win that championship, the winner gets the wife's weight in beer. So I guess the heavyweight category would probably be a little luckier there. Um, five times her weight in cash, so I'm guessing that's ones. I don't know. And an entry into the world championship in Finland. So imagine having that on your resume. That would be quite a resume. I don't even know if I'd put it on there. People would probably think I'm too weird. <laughs> <laughs> right wow. after uh, Tommy Media podcast host, wife care yeah. champion. <laughs> yeah wife wife carrying championship and uh mm -hmm. entry into the world championships in finland wow so finland finland's a weird country i mean it's not weird but like they they're like very barbaric there and my cousin he's from finland and they there's no Finnish people on here yeah <laughs> he sits in the sauna and cranks the sauna heat up to like 200 plus fahrenheit like i cannot handle it but in finland they have competitions to see who can stay in the sauna the longest and i think that's absolutely absurd because when i get in there and it even pushes like maybe 150 160 my throat starts to close up because it's so hot and my ears just start to feel like they're melting off it's just very uncomfortable but props to whoever can do that because not me yeah wow huh. I don't think I could do that but it vaguely reminds me of my summer routine of baking in the sun in Iowa with like 100% humidity every day so that sounds great um <laughs> A good a good day for uh, dry Iowa. Oh yeah. Um, moving on. Let's see what we got here. Uh, chess boxing. So, um, when I read this one, I wasn't totally sure if they were like, what what is chess boxing? You know, like, are there rules about how you can move while you're boxing? But it turns out they just like alternate between chess and boxing. So. I guess that's pretty self-explanatory, but uh, I guess for those who have the blunt force and the strategy, that is the sport for them. Yeah, that's a very interesting sport because, you know, there, you got to be big, you got to be a boxer, and you got to have enough brains left from boxing to mm -hmm. move your pieces around the board. Yep, those those far into their boxing career with early onset CTE might not excel at that one. Probably not. All right. Um, we got cheese rolling in the United Kingdom. Um, they race down a hill after rolling a wheel of cheese. Personally, I would participate in that one because um, I would be inclined to race after a wheel of cheese. I don't know about you. This hill is not nowhere near flat, though. This the hill has so many bumps. If you've ever watched this, it's insane. Yeah, I watched it on ESPN. It's crazy. I watched it like three years ago. Um, 
it was it was on the Friday edition of Not Top Ten, and these guys were just spiraling down the hill, like like head to toe, like bouncing out, like just did not care about their bodies at all. They're just focused on that cheese at the bottom. Like I'm surprised people didn't die. That's that's crazy. Dairy for the dairy. <laughs> um, we got extreme ironing on this list as well. I think out of all of these, this might be my favorite because I I don't even participate in normal ironing. I really I don't think I've ever done it before, which sounds really bad. I'm a college student, but you know, I'll learn how to adult eventually. But these people are ironing clothes underwater, hanging from cliffs, skiing and snowboarding on top of vehicles. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you iron something underwater without, like, electrocuting yourself. I am so uneducated on ironing. And I I think that, like, don't you need an outlet? I mean, there's probably battery-operated irons, but, like... Well, I don't know, like, how does it work? The clothes are wet. Yeah, the underwater underwater one seems absurd. It does. I mean, hanging from cliffs sounds like a great way to burn yourself or die. I really, mm, I don't know. I'm sure we'd see some of these in, like, the world record books. I feel like that would be a good place to look for really, really weird semi-sports you know anything could be considered a sport if it's a competition I don't know (laughs) I guess I mean what you said you saw something on Twitter about marble racing oh yeah I just came across a video where this guy had I don't even know where it was if it was in his backyard or what but he had dug out a little course for marbles to roll down and he would just let about 20 marbles go at the top of the course and just let gravity do its thing Mm -hmm. i don't know if each person made that marble like specifically for aerodynamics and speed but sounds like a pretty interesting it was it was fun because there was a commentator on the video like Oh, and he's coming back. He's coming into second place. And he's like a horse race. <laughs> oh, God. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, you can turn anything into a sport, I guess. Um, honorable mention, we have underwater hockey known as octopush, which is pretty clever, and shin kicking. Huh. Where two contestants kick each other in the shins until one hits the ground. Would you play any of these sports? Ooh, good question. Shin kicking, not for me. Well, you did play soccer, and that's pretty much the same thing. (laughs) Good point. But (laughs) I'm actually interested in underwater hockey. I might have to do some more research on that because that sounds pretty cool. Maybe you've got uh, an air, um, air tank or something. I don't know. I I don't don't know how that would, like, work super well, but I feel like it would be a lot slower. That's that's all I can think. 
Well, uh, now I'm trying to imagine it, and maybe it's kind of like this one game I used to play when I was in Boy Scouts. We would go up to this Boy Scout camp, and we would grease up a watermelon, and we'd throw it in the water, and it would be like water polo, but we'd try to score on the other person's goal. We'd have like 10 on each team, and we'd just be pushing the watermelon underwater until it got to the goal. So maybe it's kind of like that where you're just standing close to the shore and you're got your sticks underwater chopping at the puck. I don't know. I can't say I know what that's like, but um, I have done cross-country carrying a watermelon. We did that in high school for like our cross-country camp. We had to run like several miles carrying a watermelon and – I don't really know like how they expected us to do that because I'm pretty sure I was like running at walking pace. Those things Wait, are slippery. <laughs> yeah, they are. And was it a relay <laughs> or were you going two plus miles with the Well, I mean, you had like a team. It was like a we had to do like a scavenger hunt around our whole town carrying a watermelon. And it turns out like the skinniest guy on my uh high school team was actually the best and fastest at carrying the watermelon which was super surprising to me because like me being a basketball player I was probably one of the like thicker people on the cross-country team and I kind of expected to excel at carrying the watermelon but no turns out carry it just I don't know certain breed of people I mean that kid ended up being state and cross-country and track so maybe there was something to it but that's a good way to throw out your back now that I'm thinking of it. I I could not. It's like carrying a baby and running, except way bigger. You have a new found respect for pregnant women today? I guess so. Um, have you ever invented any weird sports yourself? You know, not really. I, I guess we kind of made up a game where we – it's called roof ball. It's not really much of a sport, but you throw the ball on the roof and comes down, and then the next person in line's got to uh, catch the ball in the air and throw it back on the roof. It's it's a strategy game. You got to throw it to one side or the other so the person behind you can't get to the ball, and then they're ultimately mm. out of the round. But there you go. Yeah. Hmm. I. I don't really think I've played too many, like, super weird sports, but when I was younger, uh, with my neighbor kids, we all used to play slip and slide baseball, so we would all bring our slip and slides out and uh, put them in front of all the bases, so you actually had to slide into every base, and that was honestly a really good time. They should, they should put that in, like, actual baseball so that the slide into the base doesn't rip up your skin. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I used to play softball for a very short stint, and that was not one of my favorites. That's cool, though. Slip and slide baseball. Was it wiffle ball then? Yeah, yeah, it was wiffle ball. Like, there was mm, – we had a pretty big backyard. And so my backyard was like constantly the sports yard and we played a ton of wiffle ball and there was always someone who ended up crying because that gets way too competitive. But 
I mean, throwing slip and slides in there just adds a whole new element, and maybe I should play that this summer again. Maybe that'd be a good social isolation activity. Yeah, invite all the, the old neighborhood clowns over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them are, like, about to get married soon, and it's kind of crazy, but it's fine. Scary. All right, well, um, I would encourage our listeners to check out some of these weird sports. I'm sure you could find some of them on YouTube or maybe the ESPN Top 10 Sports Center um, rundowns, like Joey found the cheese rolling. Yeah, I would recommend checking out cheese rolling. It's crazy. These people are putting their life on the line. I wouldn't um I wouldn't recommend shin kicking unless you really like getting a ton of bruises, but I would recommend slip and slide baseball. So thank you guys for tuning in again. Appreciate everybody taking the time to listen in this time when there aren't a lot of sports. Hopefully we can keep you entertained still. Look out for episode four when we're going to discuss the first couple episodes of the uh, Jordan documentary. Mm-hmm.